Our text is Isaiah 53, verse 2. I'll read verses 1 and 2. Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and thank you for uh, your presence here and for our presence here. Uh, if you had left us in our sins, Lord, this would be the last place on earth that we would ever want to be. So we thank you for having saved us from our sins. We thank you for bringing us into your presence. And we pray now, Lord, that we would honor you as we uh, discuss your word. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So over the last three weeks, well, not the last three weeks, but over my last three times up here, uh, we went from Christ's uh, presence in our world being considered remarkable, ignored, and today, ordinary. Jesus was an ordinary man. And this text here, verse 2, uh, emphasizes that. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant... So Jesus grew up as all earthly children did, right? Except he didn't cry in the manger, right? But so he grew up just like all kids grow up. And yet as he grew, he came to the realization in his human spirit that he was the son of God embodiment. And so it must have been remarkable for him to make these realizations in his human spirit. And yet he was the Son of God, from that moment that he was born in that manger, from the moment that, that Mary uh, was conceived with him, and yet his birth was heralded beautifully out in the middle of nowhere. And so all there were were some shepherds to, to witness this glory of all of these angels singing. And so it wasn't that there wasn't fanfare and heraldry. There was. It's just God chose to have it be fairly low-key or invisible on the earth and he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and an aspect of a growing plant is what is miraculous i don't know how plants do this with those time-lapse photography it's a beautiful thing to see plants just and yet uh, also it's relatively noiselessly you don't hear anything a plant just grows up and that is really reflective of christ's youth his growing up he grew up without great fanfare. He was out of the limelight, no limelight at all. It would appear that even that uh, shock at his birth and, and the, the, what happened with the wise men coming, all of that was really long forgotten by the time they return and disappear into Galilee. And as a root out of dry ground, that's the next phrase. Very similar to the tender plant, but now we're talking about how that tender plant grew up out of dry ground. And again, an, a miraculous aspect to that. So Jesus grew up in Galilee, in the city of Nazareth, of which Philip said, does anything good come out of Nazareth? And so see, Nazareth is like the Cleveland of Israel of that day, apparently. <laughs> One of, you know, I grew up near Cleveland, I'm, I can say that. And so uh, I grew up in Pittsburgh and Cleveland. And by the time I was a kid, their heyday had been long past. Those steel mill towns were dying when I was there as a youth. And uh, yet, in Good Morning Vietnam, 
uh, one question that uh, Robin Williams' character asked a bunch of truckload of guys, oh, where are you from? He said, Cleveland. He says, oh, so Vietnam is not much of a change for you, is it? <laughs> In other words, the violence that he's faced with and, and the difficult life. So that is how you think of Cleveland how frankly people who live in New York and LA think of pretty much everything between California and New York, except for a few spots in Colorado or Utah that they vacation at periodically. That is how people of his day thought of Nazareth and all of Galilee. It was useless to them. You know, they were where the power was. They were down here in Jerusalem. They were in the seat of authority. So he was also, again, from dry ground, he was the son of a carpenter. And don't think of a carpenter as like now what we might think of as like this, you know, really wonderful craftsman that makes good things. I'm sure they made good things. But if you're in Nazareth, in Galilee, Cleveland, you know, you're not, you're not building these wonderful mansions, typically. You're working on stuff that's putting food on the table. And also, he tended to fellowship or so, uh, socialize with those uh, people in those neighboring towns, Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, the fishermen that he later ministered with. Uh, nowadays, we might think of these little fishing villages as little, beautiful, picturesque spots. But if you've ever watched any of these shows about the life of a fisherman, you know that fishermen have it really, really hard. And so these people that Jesus associated with were like himself, leading hard lives, hard scrabble lives in the Cleveland of his day. He has no form or comeliness. So what does that mean? It means that Jesus was a plain man. We don't like to think of him as a plain man. We, even, even I have this bias. When I see a Jesus in a film portrayed and he's got a high-pitched voice or something like that, no, that's not my Jesus. My Jesus has got a deep manly voice, right? My Jesus is tall. He's dark, he's kind of rugged, handsome. Uh, we all can imagine these things, and yet we really don't know what Jesus was like. We know he was a carpenter, so we know he had a hard life. He probably had big, hard hands, big knuckles, like the guys that we see that have worked all their lives with their hands. And so that's the Jesus that, that lived. That's the Jesus that we will see in heaven. But we sometimes, even ourselves as Christians, who should know better, Samuel should have known better, right? He's looking for this second king. He goes to the sons of David. Eliab walks in. This tall, handsome, that's him. Samuel, without a doubt, thought this is him. Samuel, who had presided over making Saul king, who was a horrible king, is still infatuated with the idea that a man must look like this to be on this earth powerful, a leader. And that's just not it. God rebuked Samuel by appointing David to that slot. And I believe he also kind of implicitly rebukes us. When we imagine this Jesus, that we see other characterizations of it, up oh, doesn't measure up, doesn't measure up. So we don't know what Jesus is like, but I'm saying he was ordinary. He was not a man that you would think of as a leader until he started leading. That's why everybody was so shocked at him. Now, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now, what's the phrase? Beauty is, yeah, beauty is more than skin deep, right? And yet we all buy into the external beauty. That's what Samuel saw when he saw Eliab. It's this external thing. We are all prone to that. God made us as we are, and we have this to overcome in us. And so here he was. Jesus was a plain man, and yet he wasn't beautiful. 
that we would admire him, that we would follow him and cling to him for his beauty alone. You know, one of the things that I loved about the movie Napoleon Dynamite, and I don't know if everybody noticed this, but it was a weird movie. <laughs> and, and I remember at the end of it, I said, this is not a movie I need to watch again. But one of the things that struck me about it was that all of the beautiful people were always smiling. They all had bright clothes on. But yet all of Napoleon's friends and family, they never smiled and they always had dark clothes on. This was a metaphor. They were, they were explicitly stating that this is how people view our world. You've got the happy people, the happening people, the, the fulfilled people, the leaders that are all pretty and colorful and smiling and happy. And then you've got the rest of us who aren't like that. And yet, this is exactly what Paul spoke of in 1 Corinthians 1. He talked about how it is not the wise and the powerful that God comes to on this earth. It is the ordinary. Jesus came as ordinary to minister to the ordinary. Now, some of you might be very special. You might not be as ordinary as me. But it is true, though, that God does tend to have a special place in his heart for the ordinary, for the people from Cleveland and Pittsburgh and Omaha. Maybe that's why I'm so comfortable in Omaha. I'm from places like this. I wasn't comfortable, perhaps, in California. So the miraculous work of Christ was done, not for the popular people of the earth, but for people like us. So Paul said, not many of you were wise or powerful. And so that's why now I tell you, not many of you are wise or powerful. God builds his kingdom up through people such as us. And God sets this table out for people such as us. So please come, you ordinary people, to God's table. Father, we thank you for the fact that you modeled for us uh, what it is that you want us to be, who it is that we are. We should never be ashamed of who we are because Jesus was just like us. So we thank you, Father, for the fact that he did not uh, come to this earth to impress us by his outward beauty, by his desirability, by his wonderful sense of humor and witty gab. Uh, he came with an inward beauty of holiness and of righteousness. And so, Father, we pray that you would make us conform to this image of Jesus. And we ask you to be with us now as we enjoy this meal. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.